listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Good morning, New Chapel. Hey, if you have anything to take notes with, pull that out right now. Brand new series, brand new season here at New Chapel that we are calling Made for More. And I'm excited. I know that you are. And uh, this is going to be a spiritual growth campaign, a season, 42-day season starting today that we're going to lean into everything that God has for us. And listen, if you uh, haven't been here before or maybe missed out on last week, we are giving away some free books uh, for everyone. This is Rick Warren's signature purpose-driven life, and uh, we have everything that you need for this spiritual growth campaign over the next 42 days in this book. It talks about everything, and so make sure that every adult, you grab one of these on the way out. And then for your kids, we actually have uh, the kids' version of that, one for every family. Please help yourself to that. Use that how you will. And today's the first day, so you're not behind. And so uh, it is an exciting time around here, church. Before I jump into the message, I will say that groups had an incredible start this last week. If you're in groups, you know that. Yeah, why not? And um, listen, if you're late to the game or you're just finding out about it, go to newchapel.com slash groups and sign up. Just show up at one that you think you'd be interested in. And it's not Hotel California where like, you can check out, but you can't leave. You can, you can check out, find the one that fits you. I, I just really believe that it's going to help you in your spiritual growth. And also, I do want to say that yesterday, we had our first Brotherhood Men's Breakfast here at New Chapel. Yes. And that was great. And so uh, we're kind of dreaming a little bit about what it would look like if we did it quarterly or even monthly. And so I know some guys, after they ate the food, they wanted it weekly. But uh, we're going to do everything that we can. Uh, This season... Made for More is, is going to be a marked moment for this church. It's going to be a marked moment for all of us in the room, if you lean into it. It is an opportunity to kind of let go of some of the things that are in the peripheral of our life and focus in on what God has for us. It's a season of spiritual growth, and it's not a normal series. So we've got, of course, the book, and it is a once-a-day chapter we're going to be going through for 42 chapters, 42 days. Uh, in that uh, every chapter, it has a little QR code. If you're over 30 in the room, QR stands for quick response. You're welcome. And so I had to Google that myself. And so uh, anyway, but they have a little QR code. Take your phone out, and it has a message that goes along with every chapter of this. Uh, we also are in our small groups going to, they're of course topical, and, and they go over the different categories that they've decided, but it's going to be seen through the vignette of purpose, the fact that God has made us for more. And in addition, we are offering baptisms at this point at New Chapel every single weekend from this point till Jesus returns. I'm excited about that. And uh, I went up, we, we got, I don't know if you saw our bougie, bougie little baptismal back there. It's pretty nice. It's 104 degrees. I'm just telling you. So if anybody just feels like when we baptized you in that horse trough that it was cold and, and maybe you have dealt with a sin in your life since then because you thought your baptism didn't take, I will rebaptize you and I will steam it out of your life. And so, uh, 
The information all about that is back there. And, and, and one last thing, and then I'll preach. But uh, starting this Saturday, so it's the 8th, I believe, uh, we, are, we are having Saturday prayer that's going to be going for the next six weeks here at New Chapel. And uh, there's more information about that on the posters. But it's this Saturday. I believe it starts at 9 o'clock. And uh, if it doesn't, then you just came early for prayer. But uh, I believe it's 9 o'clock. We're going to be meeting for one hour. It's going to be incredible. Uh, hey, if you have your Bibles, up with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 29. Uh, you are made for more. God does have a purpose for your life. And here's why it's so important that we as a church lean into this. I know that we go through seasons, every single person in the room, where you might feel aimless, and you might feel stuck in a rut. This happens in marriage every once in a while. Just days start stacking, right? And just, you feel stuck in a rut. Or it might just happen at your career, or, or just happen in life. Uh, I've heard of a midlife crisis. I've heard of early life crisis, late life crisis. I don't think crisis, I, I actually think crisis is an equal opportunity employer. Like, it'll come at you. And, and, and why? Because if things, aren't, if things aren't driven by purpose, what happens is you'll get stuck in that rut because everything seems purposeless. You get exhausted. And I don't think we get exhausted and overwhelmed simply because we're doing too much. I think you get exhausted and overwhelmed from doing too much that doesn't matter. I think that when you're doing something that matters, like nobody can stop you. We have to tell you to take a day off, right? But when you have this, this, this thing driving in your heart, nothing can hold you back. And so many people, though, live and die without ever realizing that purpose or that passion, and it's something that God has for them. They think from some backwoods theology that God wants them to suffer through this entire life and, and never really understand who God made them to be, what God has for them, and yet the Bible conveys nothing of the sort. This is what it says in Proverbs 29. I'm going to read this actually a couple times today in different translations. This is the uh, message interpretation. This is what it says. If people can't see, everybody say can't see? If people can't see what God is doing, what do they do? They stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, and he's trying to, they are most blessed. They, when, when people can't see what God is doing, what, what is that talking about? They're stumbling because literally they're blinded. It's, it's a spiritual blindness. And, and you think that you can go through life and just like, I don't know about God, but you, you don't take into account the implication that that has on your soul. And so you, yourself, your soul feels aimless simply because you don't have forward motion with what God has called you to do. And, and so what happens? We get overwhelmed. We feel anxious. We make rash decisions. And it's because we can't see what God is doing. We can't see what's next. And the Bible says if you attend to what God has revealed, and he is trying to reveal it, the Bible says that you'll be most blessed. Blessed is a Bible word that simply means contentment and fulfillment, and this is fulfillment in the deepest level. It's not just, just, just uh, having money in the bank. It, it's this deep, in-depth, the, the heart of your soul fulfillment, this blessing. And to have godly vision, the Bible says that that is fulfillment. And many, though, are settling for less than God's best. I believe that there are enemies to our purpose. Now, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 12. Uh, it says that we shouldn't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. It says, let God transform you into a new person, new person. That's what we need, right? By changing the way that you think, by changing the way your mind perceives things, the way that your outlook is on life. And I would say many people, we just copy the behavior and the customs 
and the trajectory and the vision that the world has for your life. I have no problem in the world with going to college. I went to college. I am educated, okay? I went to cemetery, I mean seminary, and I can, <laughs> I can bore you. I can confuse you. It's a spiritual gift of mine, but, but, but here's the big idea. Not everybody needs to go to college, but the world will tell you that everybody has to, and if you don't, you're worthless, Man, whatever happened to finding value with working with your hands or working in the trades or being a great mom? See, the world has no respect for any of that world, and so it's the behavior and customs of the world. Well, that's an easy example, but think of the so many multifaceted different ways that the world tries to inject their philosophy into our life, our, our calling. So much of the world is doing it right now. They're pursuing something, but the something that they're pursuing isn't what God has, and so they're, they're rendered empty on the inside. And that's why you can see it in culture. That's why we see so much hatred and fighting and riots and violence and murder and stealing and cheating in this world. Why is it happening? It's because the world need to get ahead, and they think that other people can stand their way. Did you know that no person on this earth can ever stand in between you and what God has for you? He wouldn't have promised it to you if he couldn't fulfill it in your life. passage continues. Here's what it says. Don't copy the behavior customs of the world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, then, and that's massive. It's an if-in, if-then type situation. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. What is it? It's good. It's pleasing. It's perfect. You want to know God's will? You're going to have to change your perspective on these things. You're going to have to see this differently. You're going to have to maybe, okay, that's wonderful. You think I should go to college. God, what do you have for me in my life? You see? And, and so we have to yield to a higher source. God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. You know what that tells me? It doesn't settle. It's, it's well, I guess this happened. You know what? I guess we could just do this. It doesn't settle. It's not less than. And so we have these enemies to our purpose. I want to give you these three quick ideas. Jot these down if you're taking notes. Enemies of purpose. The first one, I believe, is this. It is confusion. Confusion. That's a massive one. Confusion. Hopefully, hopefully, the biggest obstacle to you hearing from God the purpose that he has for your life is simply that you don't know what it is. I, I actually hope, if, if any of the three I'm going to present to you today, I hope that it's this one. Paul prayed this. He says, church, I, I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. And what he was saying was, I don't want the body of Christ, I don't want Christians to live this life and be ignorant of everything, every good thing that God has called for you to be and, and live and live out and the plans that he has. He doesn't want you to be ignorant of any of those things. The world has a solution for this, though. And, and the method of the world, the behavior and custom of the world, I'm just going to call it the New Age method and this is uh, kind of the mystical approach. You'll see this oftentimes in talk shows. There was some pretty popular talk shows in the 90s and 2000s that really brought this up. And here's the whole idea with it in the mystical approach. It is that you need to look within yourself to find your purpose. Look within you. That's where you're going to find it. And it sounds very spiritual, especially when they present it, because they sound very convincing. But it's not spiritual, at least in a godly way. In fact, Here's what I found. If you really want to confuse yourself, look within to try to figure out what you're supposed to do. You're already confused on the outside. Start looking inside. You're really going to be stumped with all of that. I got to move on. Uh, the second enemy of your purpose, write it down. It's comparison. 
Yeah, you know it's a big one, don't you? It's massive. It's, it's a huge deal. Many people don't see the purpose that God has for them. Why? Because they're focused on everybody else's, what they got going on. We're all caught up in the Facebook metaverse, and you're looking at other people, and you're looking at their nice car, and their nice house, and their kids look perfect, and it looks like they got money, and they just love their job. Why? Pause. Time out. Why is everybody smiling pictures like this? <laughs> Who is doing that that does not need to be committed? Like you look neurotic in, in some of your Facebook posts. I'm sorry, I just burst some of your bubble. But, but you're you look at other people's body, you're comparing your body to their body. Can I just help you? Their body don't look like that either. They got filters to make their eyes look that big. They all look like space aliens out there. Like, why, why do we fall prey to that stuff? We're comparing our lives to the lives of other people. And what I know is this. You will always be miserable when you're comparing your life to the life of somebody else. You will always be miserable when you desire someone else's portion and not seeking the portion that God has for your life. Say amen, somebody. God has more. You're made for more. Why do we assume that other people know best for us? Why do we assume that the experts know what's best for us? My dad, he passed away three years ago. He was 80 when he passed, but he was a funny guy. And he had some business cards printed up, and it said, Philip K. Bevilacqua, expert. <laughs> and so if he was in a conversation, he said, well, how do you know anything about it? He'd take the card out and give it to him, smile while he was doing his, well, I'm an expert. And it was a very simple solution to the problem. I kind of like that. But we assume that other people know the best for our life. Uh, this is the deep-thinking philosophical approach where we yield to psychiatrists and we yield to modern philosophies. Hugh Moorhead was a psychologist, and he was uh, doing a paper that he wanted to publish, and it was all about purpose. And so he wrote over 100 other psychologists and psycho psychiatrists and asked them the question, what is the purpose of life? Hundreds of them responded, and in the response, nobody knew. In fact, the, the common response was, I don't know. And a few of them even said, if you find out, let me know. See, we think that the experts actually have a handle on this. Somebody has their finger on the button, and the reality is nobody's got the finger on their button. God does, and we need to find our purpose in him. Say amen, somebody. And here's the real culprit, the real reason. The real enemy of all of this is, for most people, we're actually pursuing a purpose that is, write it down, it is a counterfeit we're pursuing something that is not real, a counterfeit faith. Write that down. You want to be like somebody else, and you try to be like them, and you pursue that with everything in you. And so you go to Barnes & Noble, or you, you open the Audible app. And what do you do? You try to find a self-help book. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If you could help yourself, you wouldn't have needed a book. You can't help yourself. If you could, you wouldn't have needed it. So, that, so by the merit of you buying it, it just tells you it's all going to be doomed. And what's self-help going to tell you? Invent purpose. Make it up yourself. Decide what you want to do. Follow your dreams. Aim high. Have ambition. And that's great advice if you want to be successful in the world's eyes. But if you want God's best, it will fall very short. I have met people who have high success, high net worth. I, I, worth. I've met them in this church before. Some of them have gotten saved, and they went on. And, and as I talked to them, they had a lot of money, but they didn't have fulfillment in their life. 
that felt many of them like they had spent their life on something that was less than what they were even capable of. Those of you that are maybe 50, 60, 70, you, you can tell us young guys just how fast it goes. I'm inching on realizing that, that it's just, it's life's faster than you think, everybody. And so we are, we are called by God for more, something that has purpose. You thought your career would be enough, but friend, you do not need a career. You need a calling. God has more for you. You don't need to just make money. You need God's plan for your life. Now, God has never created anything without a purpose. Every rock, every plant, every animal, every human being, God created, and he created them with purpose. Purpose is in them. Your heart is beating still today because God is not done with you. God has a purpose for your life. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, man, it must be one of the most seminal scriptures. I, 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 I bring it up all the time because it has so much consequence. And here's what it says. Be very, very careful, right? Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as the wise, making the most of every opportunity, because what? The days are evil. They're flying by. Therefore, do not be foolish. This is written to Christians. It's saying, hey, Christian, you can be fooled about your life. You can be fooled into what God's best is. But here it is. Come on, Western Michigan. Understand what the Lord's will is. That God's not trying to hold it back from you. That it is your privilege to go on a journey with him and mine that out of the will of God for you in your life. And that's my dream. For this whole spiritual growth campaign, it's, yeah, I don't want you to miss. Yeah, I want you to get baptized. I want you to get plugged in. My dream is this, that when it's all said and done, you'll be like, man, I'm in love with Jesus. And I'm not perfect. I got my own things I'm still working on. But, but God is so good and, and, and I love that. I'm living a life now that I know he's pleased with where, where I'm going and where I'm at. And, and it's perfect. God is perfect. And I know that I'm made for more. And I know my purpose. And I have forward motion in my life. That's my dream for you. That you lean into that. And by the end of it, you've got this, this back wind that's pushing you because you know the will of God. That's my heart. And friend, I would say it this way. Don't waste your life. Your life is for living. You were made for more. How do you do it? Well, it's going to take me six weeks to tell you, but today I want to give you the why behind all of it. Today we're going to begin to look at life through the vignette of the three most important questions I think you could ask yourself. Write these down very quickly in the time we have left. Number one, the three greatest questions. The first one I call the existence question. And it's this question that you ask yourself in, in, in many different ways, but it's why am I alive? Why am I alive? Why am I sucking air right now? I, I, I want to I believe that there's something behind all of it. I want to share with you a passage uh, that's in the book of Jeremiah. It's in your Bible. And it's Jeremiah, the great prophet of God. And he's actually at a spot where he's lamenting. He's a little bit confused about God's purpose. This is what it says in Jeremiah 20. Why was I born? Was it only to have trouble and sorrow to end my life in disgrace. The great prophet of God is in such a spot of loathness and lament that he's contemplating taking his own life. Do you see that this can knock at anyone's door, A? And then B, do you see that without that purpose, it all just kind of gets blurry? It all begins to melt together. It doesn't matter. It doesn't fit together. Even Jeremiah the prophet says, uh, I, I, I'm just here for trouble and for sorrow. It sounds very empty. Now, he didn't stay in that position. 
I remember uh, several years ago, I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit, I was watching a, a popular TV show, maybe you watched it back in the day, I can't stand most sitcoms, but I like this one, it was called Everybody Loves Raymond, and so I liked that guy mainly because he was Italian, and so um, other than that, I remember this one episode where his daughter said, uh, I, I want to talk with you, Dad, and kind of had to go or, or, or whatever, have to take off for school, and Raymond Ray was just like, uh, beside himself, because he thought at this age to date, and based on what his buddies and other friends and, and family had said, his daughter was going to want to have the sex talk with him. And for those of you who are dads of daughters, you like writhe in pain at the thought of any of that. You know, just, I want to kill him. I want to kill him, kill him, kill him, you know. And, and as you know, I'm looking for the evangelical nun in the Bible. Like, I'm trying to find it. I haven't found it yet. But, but Ray is dealing with this, and he's chewing on it, and he thinks it's going to be the big sex talk, and he sits down with her, and he's ready for it, a lot of angst, and she says, Dad, I want to ask you about this. Why did God make us? And I think that that, that was a great progression, because it really shows that young people, people from birth even, they have this pull towards eternity. I love that it went there because it actually opened up the, the opportunity for a lot of discussion and families and, and even today. But the idea is this, is that that's a massive, profound point. Why, why, God, am I even here? Why am I alive? Why am I sucking air? How does Scripture deal with it? The Bible says this in the book of Proverbs chapter 16. The Lord has made everything. The Lord has made everything. The Lord has made, say it with me, the Lord has made everything for his own purpose. Everything. Like, you are here for a reason. You, you matter to God. His purpose. I like that it says that. It's not your own ideas. God has a purpose for everything and everyone on earth, and it might not be what you're thinking about in all of that. And in fact, I will say this. There are five, five purposes that God has for your life. Well, tell us what they are, Pastor. I will. Come next week. I'll, I'll give you number one. But God has these purposes for you, and today I'm giving you that motive, that why behind the what. But Ephesians 1 and verse 4, I like how it says it in the message. It says, long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind and settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Why am I alive, Pastor Joe? Why am I, why am I sucking air in this world? Write this down. You were created to be loved by God. You're created to be in relationship with him. He desired you. He desired your existence. You might have been like, why am I here? You might have been at a spot where you wanted to throw away your own life before, if not anything, just emotionally. But God wants you here. He desired you to be here. He planned for you to be born in this generation, and you're the object of his love. He wants relationship with you whether you're looking for it or not. i got to move on. Uh, the life's three greatest questions. The second one, I call the significance question. Significance question. And here's what it looks like. Does my life matter? Write that down. It's the significance. Like, like okay, God loved, but does it count for anything? Am I going to do anything that has eternal value? Does my life matter? Isaiah, another prophet of God in the Bible, he said it this way. In Isaiah 49, my work seems so useless. It seems that way. I have spent my strength for nothing and for no, there it is, purpose at all. 
Boy, Pastor Joe, the prophets sound pretty depressing. They didn't have the Spirit of God inside them in the Old Testament like you do. And so I love that the Bible gives us full disclosure that they were great men of God, but they dealt with some pretty severe emotional problems. And again, Isaiah didn't stay in that spot, but he landed there. And he said, everything that I do, it seems like it's worth nothing. And why? It seems that way because it has no purpose. I don't see why. I don't see why I'm doing it. So therefore, everything that I am doing seems like it's just gravel. And I'm going to tell you, moms, you're going to feel that way unless you really think about what God is doing in the life of your kids and how important it is, the greatest ministry that you could ever have is to your children. I mean, I'm just telling you, it is. You're going to feel like it's purposeless when you're changing oil or you're an auto mechanic or a body guy. But let me tell you something, it's not purposeless. A, God gave you a capability to work with your hands. I mean, some of the people in the room put oil inside the, the, the window washing fluid. I mean, they just <laughs> the world would end without you. But beyond all that, the Bible says in all labor there is honor. Never judge away a man makes a living. And you're able to pay for bills, be able to pay for your family, and there's honor in that. There is a purpose behind all of that. Maybe you're in a high spot of education. Maybe you're in a low spot. Wherever that is in the trajectory, God can leverage wherever you're at and wherever he's wanting to take you to for his glory. Say amen, somebody. But without purpose, it seems, seems trivial. The good and the bad blur together. Why? Because it doesn't matter. Heard a story in World War II. And it was a story about a concentration camp in the country of Hungary. In that concentra uh, concentration camp, there were some Nazi guards, and uh, they made the Jewish prisoners pick up a whole bunch of rocks and small boulders and rubble, and they had to move it from one field and walk it all the way over to the other. And, and they, they did it all day long, and they finally got everything over there. And when it was all finished, and this wasn't an eight-hour day, it was all day long, they slept briefly, they were awakened uh, in a very traumatic way, and they were brought out to the field of destination. They said, you, you go take that same rubble and go put it back. It was hard labor for hard labor's sake. When that day was done, it went back, and it was this tennis game of hard labor just for hard labor. Now, I am not trying to make the correlation in between their plight and, and the American life. But I am saying that when you're doing useless work, it empties you out. And for them, they were no exception. What happened? Those prisoners in particular, there's been case studies done about it, they went crazy. They lost their mind. Why? Because they lost hope. Why? No purpose. Their life was, was brought down, distilled to a spot where it was all about do something useless day in, day out without any rest. Wow, I've learned that everyone's life is at one of three levels. Not on the screens, you might want to jot these down. Level one is survival mode, survival mode. It's fight or flight, you're just existing, you're just getting by. A lot of husbands, you've checked out in the marriage, you're on default mode, you're just there, you live in your nothing box, and every man needs a nothing box. Women, do you know what that is? It's when you come home from work, do not attack them with questions. Let them go off into this little oblivious little, you can't see it, but it's a box. It's the nothing box. What are you thinking about? What's on your mind? Don't ask them that. You're going to ruin the nothing box. They're thinking about nothing. But some men live there, and it's less than what God has called you to. Some people are, are in a career, and you're like, well, I'm just, I'm just getting by so I can have retirement. I can have retirement. And you're calling it the golden handcuffs, but here's the reality. That's not why God created you. 
In fact, retirement is an invention of the last hundred some years. You have a purpose. You can retire from a career. You'll never retire from the purpose of God in your life. It'll never lift. And so, survival mode. The second one is the success level. You go past just surviving and you get to success. And this is the world standard. Be successful. But you can have success and be completely unfulfilled. The third level is significance. And that's the currency I want to deal in in this series. That's where you find meaning. That's where you find purpose. To know that there's meaning to life. To know how much you mean to God. To live out those five purposes that we will talk about. That is significance and it is eternal. So the question is, Pastor Joe, does my life matter? God, does my life matter? Write it down. You matter to God. You matter to him. You're significant because you're significant to God. Who cares what anybody else holds you in? Any high esteem or they look down at you? Who cares? You're significant to God. You matter to God Almighty. Say amen, somebody. Isaiah 44, what does he say? I am your creator. This is God speaking through the prophet, kind of in response to all of that junk. He says, I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. Before you, before you took your first breath, God was thinking about you. Somebody in the room needs to hear this. You're not here by accident. There are no accidental people. There might be accidental parents. You, you were called a mistake. The, people say that you were illegitimate. Listen to me. There are no illegitimate children. There might be illegitimate evenings, but there's no illegitimate children. Say amen, somebody. God knows that you were coming. You didn't strike him off guard. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, well, let's call a meeting of the Trinity together. We have to come up with another purpose. No, God knew that you were going to come despite the circumstance, and he loves you, and he has a plan for you. Wow. Now, Psalm 139, he says, you scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. God both has a plan, and he knows how it's going to play out whether you follow it or not. And some people think that God has you here on earth and he's just playing games with you. He's messing around. Maybe you come from that background and nobody ever told you that God is not an old man with a big old white beard with a lightning bolt ready to strike you dead. You think God's messing with you? He's not. He wants you to know his great call on your life. Psalm 33, his plans, what do they do? They endure forever. His purposes last eternally, everybody. They don't stop. They don't stop when you retire, but they don't stop when you die. God's purpose for your life will continue even into heaven, into eternity. God's purpose on you is eternal, so you might just as well get some practice here on earth. Say amen, somebody. And that tells me this, that this life is preparation for eternity. It is a preparation for how we're going to live and what we're going to be doing in that great eternity. It lends meaning to this life. When you realize, I was made to last forever. You weren't made to just live and die. That's, that's not all that it is. Life is a blip. It's a, James says it's a vapor. Here a minute, gone the next. Life is so quick. And so spend your life, use it, leverage this short life that you have, and use it on eternity and on eternal things. I remember when I first accepted Jesus, I heard about the rapture, and you're hearing a lot about the rapture because it's coming, everybody. Like, it's right around the corner. And 
I remember hearing about the rapture. If you don't know what it is, maybe you're new to Christianity. It's a theological concept. You won't find that word in your Bible. You will find the doctrine there all over the place. But it is this doctrine that God is uh, sending Jesus at an appointed time, and he's going to come back and rescue his church out of this world, and we're going to escape a lot of tribulation and destruction. And I remember hearing about this concept that, that the rapture was coming, and, and I, was, I, I was praying to God, like, God, please no. Just hold off a little bit, just until I get married. Uh, being a young teenage boy, you can imagine. Uh, and so just, just until, just until I, I find the one, God, I want to find the one. I want to get married. God, just until I have kids. God, just hold off the rapture until I get a little bit into my career, a little bit what I'm doing. And I don't, I don't think that God's heavy-handed with a young Christian praying that. But I lived enough life, and I got close to God, realized how good he is, how eternity is going to be so phenomenal. And I lost a lot of people in my life, uh, maybe a disproportionate amount of people that w- would be in a nuclear family passed away. And, and people I used to celebrate Christmas with and holidays with are gone. And, and then uh, also I hear about in the Sudan how Christians are being abducted, little girls are being abducted from their family and being raped and murdered because they're Christian. It's happening all over the world, really. And I heard about the persecuted church underground in China, those rogue Christians. Boy, I felt like that when I was up on that roof preaching drive-in church, but I got to tell you, it's nothing like what they face. And you hear about all of this stuff, and what are they praying? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. I used to be so afraid about it all, but I made peace with it. You know why? Because I made peace with who he's made me to be. And I know that I'm not going to fundamentally change. I will, I will change in a twinkling of an eye. But, but I, my gifts, that call that he still has, it's going to continue into eternity. And I stopped fearing eternity and started to lean into it, embrace it. I'm not telling him to come right away. I'm telling him to come exactly on time. And until then, God, I will occupy until you come. But I, I made peace with it. And this is, what, this is what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, when this tent... I even like the imagery there, this tent. It's temporary imagery, right? This tent that we live in, our body here on earth is torn down. You're going to die. God will have a house in heaven for us to live in, a home he himself has made which will last forever. That I don't have to be afraid about God's purpose for the here and now, and I don't have to be afraid of the God, God's purpose in the thereafter. I can lean into it. because I can trust the God that made it. That this life is temporary and that God's purposes are forever. Say amen, somebody. Proverbs chapter 9, the Bible says, Leave your impoverished confusion and live. Walk up the street to a life worth meaning. And that's what we need. You need to have that feeling when you wake up in the morning, your feet hit the ground, that you have forward motion, definite purpose. God, you have that plan, that meaning. You need it. You need it. Next thing, life's great questions. The third one is this. It's the intention question, and I would put it this way. What is my purpose? What is the intention for all of this? How am I formed? What am I going to do? Why am I here in all of this, God? Me in particular. Psalm 89, King David, he wrote it this way. He said, why did you create us? And then he asked one of those questions, for nothing? And again, it sounds down, but the reality is everyone in this room, everyone in the sound of my voice, you've been there. 
What is this all for? Where are you taking me? Where, where's, this tra- where's the train going to land? Where, what, what depot are we going to stop at? I don't know where this truck's going. What on earth am I here for, God? And the only way that life can have meaning, by the way, is if there is a God. If you're just some sort of educated, evolved pond scum, there's no purpose. There's also no justice. Think of the worst things that ever happened in this universe. Think of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi movement. Think of some of the great atrocities that we've seen in this world. There's no justice for any of it. You're going to lay in the ground just like everybody else and eventually just become stardust. But if there is a God, there's purpose. If there is a God, there is justice. If there is a God, there's something in your heart that pulls towards this shouldn't be and this should. And that thing in you is eternal. It is put there by God. Say amen, somebody. Before you were born, God purposed you. Proverbs 29. We read it out of the message. I want to show it to you in the New King James Version. It says, where there is no vision. Everybody say that word, one, two, three, vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Another translation would say they cast off restraint. You got no vision. You got no, no like, where are we going with this thing? People get loose. Now, that word vision in this particular passage is the Hebrew word kazan. Uh, not calzone, that's Italian food. I could use a calzone right now after being keto for over a year, but, 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 but this is kazown, and here's what it means. Write it down. Kazown speaks of purpose. It speaks of revelation. It speaks of vision, and it speaks of dream. Kazown. So when it says there is no vision, the people pay. There's no, when there's no purpose, revelation, vision, dream, here's how you could say it. Literally, you could translate this passage where there is no driving dream, revealed purpose, where there is no clear vision, the people feel stuck. They stumble all over themselves. They're dying on the inside. In a word, they're perishing. Do you see it? It is so important, massively important. One of the most important things I can do as a pastor after leading you to a relationship with your God through Jesus is to get you to a spot where you realize why you're here. Not just be born again, but realize why you were born on this earth. God has a driving dream for you in this world. Say amen. You were born with it. And it's something deep inside of you. Some of you, it's been so suppressed by other people when you were a teenager and an early 20-something that, that you forgot what it is. Some of it was put on a shelf years ago, and you dare not even go look at it. You've been lit down so many times in life that you dare not even begin to believe again. The moment that you feel hope in your heart, you say, don't get your hopes up. Look at me. Look at this mug. Get your hopes up. Because there is some deep, visceral primal, God-given need in your heart to live this life with meaning on the inside, not just barely getting by, not just making sure your kids have cleats, but going and abounding in an abundant life that God has planned for you. Can I hear an amen, church? That's the plan of God. Colossians 1, everything, absolutely everything above below visible invisible everything got its start in him and it finds its purpose in him okay pastor joe i give up i get it i have a purpose but i don't know what it is i don't know i'm so glad that god does he literally says jeremiah 29 i know 
plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you what? Hope. You feel hopeless. No, 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 no. That's not the plan of God for your life. It's hope. And I've got a future. You might have given up. You might be just resting on your laurels. God says, no, 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 no. Get off your laurels, whatever that even means. I've got a future. I have a plan. Trying to give you hope. God knows. He's thinking about you. Every once in a while, I'll get a text message. And (laughs) I think most of the churches realize don't text Pastor Joe. But every once in a while, I'll get a text message of encouragement. I'll get a text. This past week, we got a text from uh, Cindy Skippy. She texted and said, oh, that was just a great message. We're so blessed to be in the church. I'll get a text from Pastor Tommy, and he'll say, you're doing it. Proud of you. We're behind you. Or Mr. Ed. Everybody knows Mr. Ed, right? Old Ed, he'll text me and be like, we're behind you. I tell you, it means the world. Those texts of encouragement mean the world. I'm, I'm sure you can relate. Now listen to me. God is texting I know the plan. I have plans. We can lean into them. We can trust that God has more. You want the use of an item? Ask the inventor. Over the next six weeks, we're going to pray. You want the purpose of a creation? Ask the creator. We're going to go to that owner's manual. We're going to deep uh, dive deep into the word of God. Here's what I'm trying to say. Proverbs 9. Knowing God results in every other kind understanding. Put that scripture up. Proverbs 9 and verse 10. Knowing God. What does it do? It results in every other kind of understanding. When you know him, when you can understand who he is, knowing God produces everything else. And so when you can know him, you'll understand purpose. When you know God, you'll understand that future that he's talking about. When you know God, you can trust what he says in his word. And here's the big idea. What is my purpose? Write it down. You're going to find your purpose. Write it down. I had to decide, but it's not fortune cookies. It's not in that self-help book. You can't help yourself. You need God's help. This part, you're going to have to trust Him. And you're going to find it in relationship. Like everything else with God, He builds His kingdom relationally, and He's going to build you relationally. And He's not... I wish the Bible worked like this. I mean, everything about this. It's written in a Middle Eastern way. So you've got a collection of poems and letters in history books. That's the Bible. How do I wish it was written? Here's the book of healing. Here's the book of how to get saved. Here's the book of how to bring wrath on your enemies. <laughs> my life verse. I tattooed it on my arm. You know, just What does God ask you to do? Get into his word and mine it out relationally. He'll speak to you. The Bible's the only book that reads you while you read it. And so you need to hear God's voice. You need to hear from the word. You need to lean into this and relationally by knowing him, that's how you're going to find your purpose. Ephesians 1.11. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything. Everyone 
It's found in Jesus. And here's what I'm trying to say. You were made for more. God does have a plan. And you're going to find that in relationship with God because he loves you. He loves you so much. You say, I'm not lovable. He loves you despite anything, the worst thing that you've ever done. He loves you. He sees you. He doesn't see through you. He sees you. He sees you, Christian. And he sees you, son of God, son of God that's far away. You matter to God and you were created for a reason and your purpose is only found in him. You have a visceral purpose that's only found in the plan of God. Friend, you were made for more. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege I've had to, to bring your word. God, I thank you that you're speaking to people's hearts today. God, you're speaking to them about the great plans that you have, about the journey that you have for them. God, I pray that on this journey, the next several weeks, that we see it. God, I pray that my church would would have that definite purpose, that forward motion that they so, so desire.
the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, you're made for more. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.